Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I've been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of future and current teachers and I love a good story. And I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for educators to thrive in their own. That's what we talk about in this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? In this episode, we're going to be talking about making it through what I like to call the spring wall. We'll get to more of that in a moment, but first a story. So one time I met parent-teacher conferences and this mom and her son, my student, walk in and sit down in front of me and I shake the mom's hand and I say that, hey, before we get going, I just want to tell you how much I have loved having Thomas in my class. I love the way that he participates and he's so kind to other students and he's working really hard. Thomas is a great student, so I just wanted to tell you that before we get going. And the mom just sat there in silence, staring at me with this angry look on her face. And after this awkward, like, 10 seconds of silence, she says, his name is Colin. Oops, <laughs> that's on me. That's on me. I felt like an idiot. I mean, I knew this kid's name. I'd talked to him. I'd called on him a million times. But it was the spring, and I was tired, and I had this ridiculous brain lapse, and I mistake Colin for another kid, and the mom the rest of the time was ice cold to me, and there was just no way to recover the rest of this conference. She just sat there silently staring back at me, and I apologized. I was like, I, of course, I'm sorry, Colin. I got the name mixed up, and blah, 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 and it was just completely unrecoverable. It was irredeemable and I still get this pit in my stomach when I think about this. I mean, here's the truth. It was a parent-teacher conference in the spring and this is a tough time of year to be a teacher. It was like my brain was scrambled. A teacher's brain is usually scrambled. It's like this mushy mess this time of year. I mean, the, the luster of August and September at the beginning of the year when we had all of these new ideas and we had a fresh group of students and it was like this clean slate to start over and try new things and bring new energy with us. It's like it's kind of running a little thin right now. It's starting to run out. You are probably running low on energy to deal with all of the classroom management issues. You've probably got a giant stack of papers to grade and you don't know how you're going to get through it all. You've had to deal with some really difficult stuff with students and you've had to call parents or you've had parents call you. You've maybe been observed two times by your principal and it might not have gone perfect. Whatever it is, it's spring and you might be hitting this wall, what I like to call the spring wall, and you're probably running low on energy, and that's what happened to me that time when I was at a parent-teacher conference, and I called Colin Thomas, and I just wasn't thinking clearly, and I made a fool of myself, and I can laugh at it now, but I remember at the time just feeling like an idiot the rest of the night. But the truth is, it's because the spring wall is real. 
And so before anything else, if you're a teacher or any other type of educator and you're feeling really worn out right now, you feel like you're just kind of running on fumes, your energy is running thin, I just want you to know that you are not alone in this. You are not the only one who is running out of energy right now. And this didn't even happen at the tail end of a pandemic. There's so many complex issues that you've had to deal with this year. So many different types of effort you've had to put into different areas from learning new teaching techniques and going to PD and working with other coworkers and working with administrators and parents and then students and then mix up all of that with the fact that you've got the rest of your life going on and your own families and your own struggles that you're dealing with. It's a lot. It's a lot by this time of year. It is tiring. I talk to a lot of different teachers, and it seems my feelings about this are pretty universal. Spring is a difficult time of the year in this profession. So I wanted to make this episode to give some tips to help get you through that spring wall or just to smash through it completely so that we can have a successful rest of the year and get to summer where you can breathe and refresh and recuperate and hopefully not think about school for a little bit. So all right, one of the things that really weighs us down in the spring is the amount of work that we have to grade. I mean, like I said earlier, there's so many things going on. And the last thing you really want to do is grade all of your student work. And that's why a lot of us might have a giant stack of essays to grade or book reports to read or worksheets to mark up with a red pen. And I'll be honest, for me, it's almost always essays. I'm kind of the worst about procrastinating when it comes to grading long essays. It's not that I don't like to read them and give feedback. It's that it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time that I don't have. And when I look at how many I have to grade, it builds this anxiety that I carry around with me, knowing, yeah, I've got all of these things to do, but I have to get to those papers at some point. And so sometimes, I just try to chip away a few at a time, but then when it stretches out, I lose my motivation and grade less each time that I sit down, and so chipping away at it doesn't seem to make that stack grow any smaller. And so one thing that I've had to do is to develop this discipline of setting aside dedicated time to grade and absolutely sticking to that time. That might mean for me a Saturday afternoon where I want to go do other things, but I've got this stack of papers or you've got this stack of tests or whatever it is that you grade, and it's just dedicating this three-hour block or a two-hour block to doing nothing but grade, to turn off my phone, maybe put on some music and just grade. And I know it's not the most fun thing in the world to do. And I know that's the last thing we want to do on the weekend or at night. But I've found for myself, at least, that when I do that and I dedicate this time to knocking out a ton of grading at once, it relieves me of this weight that I've been carrying around, this stress of having this pending doom of having to sit down and do grading every single day. So it's just creating time to just knock it out so that I can focus on the things that I need to focus on. However, I'm also not a big fan of recommending lots of work on your off hours. We're going to talk about more of that in just a little bit. And so I think we also have to explore how do we limit what we actually grade? For me, this requires a shift in mindset about grading completely. And this is what I mean by that. I think traditionally, 
Grades have been about rewards and penalties. Do this correctly and I'll give you an A. Put in an average effort and I'll award you a C. Do it really poorly and you get an F. But what if instead we primarily saw grades as a means of giving students feedback so that they can improve their work and to actually learn and grow? I'm not giving you this essay to, so that you can earn a highly subjective letter. I'm giving you this essay so that you can become a better researcher and writer. And so the feedback I give you and the grade that you are assigned is to inform where you're at and give you some tips to improve. And so when you adopt this mindset, it relieves you of having to grade everything. Taking essays as an example, if I read one of your paragraphs and identify that the research you provided is not very strong, I can leave that feedback on that paragraph, and then I can ask you to find better research for that paragraph. But I can also just make a little note that says you need to check the rest of your essay to see if you need to make the same improvements elsewhere. There is no need to leave that same comment or a variation of that comment all over throughout the essay. No need to pick through it with a fine-tooth comb, which is what makes it so time-consuming because the student has already received the feedback that they need. And this dramatically cuts down on grading time. But while grading, if you do read the entire essay, you don't need to write that whole comment every time you see the need to improve evidence quality. Maybe you could write a symbol next to that first piece of feedback, like a star, and then just put that star anywhere else that that feedback applies. And this is about streamlining the process. I mean, I get the temptation to leave detailed feedback throughout an entire student's paper because they put in that effort to write it and you want to make sure that they know that you are respecting their work and that you've read through it, but I don't think that means we have to give copious notes throughout an entire paper just to serve that purpose. Give the feedback that's necessary for the student to learn and grow and leave it at that. And beyond just essays, does everything have to be graded? Sometimes the work we give students is practice and not all practice needs feedback. Sometimes it just needs repetition. So if you take anything away from this tip, Maybe it's that you just need to relieve yourself of the pressure to grade everything. I have a litmus test for what to grade and what not to grade, and it's this. Does grading this assignment help my students learn and grow? If it's just about a reward of giving them a grade to say, hey, you did this, here's your reward for it, I don't grade it. I can reward my students in other ways, with affirmation, other incentives, with verbal feedback, but I personally don't think the time and energy that goes into grading every single assignment we give to students is worth it. So that might be a hot take, and I think we'll have to have an entire podcast episode soon about it, but I can tell you this. If you want to relieve yourself of some of the anxiety and stress of the spring wall, find ways to streamline and even eliminate some of your grading. So the next tip is make positive phone calls home. I can't stress this point enough is that you know at this time of year, there's so many different behavioral issues that we're dealing with and classroom management is becoming more and more difficult as students are becoming more comfortable. But I've found that when I make positive phone calls home to parents, it might just be a simple thing like, hey, your daughter raised her hand and spoke for the first time this year, and it was awesome. Or, hey, your son turned in this book report, and I just couldn't believe that he read such a difficult book, and I love it. Please tell them that I'm proud of them, or whatever. 
Calling home with those positive affirmations feels really good as a teacher. And obviously it feels really good for parents. They love hearing that their kids are doing great things and that usually makes its way to students. You often see this correlation between positive affirmations when you call home to parents and they pass it on to their students and then this, the behavior improving and being better at school. And so there's those reasons for making those positive phone calls home. But it also just feels good as a teacher to call and let parents know that some success is happening at school. It makes you feel good. It helps you be reminded about why you're doing this work in the first place. So that's a simple thing you can do. Just build in every single day, 10 minutes a day, just to call a couple of parents and let them know about positive things happening in school. It fills me up and gives me some energy and strength to make it through the rest of the year. And it serves as a tool to lead to better student behavior. Speaking of finding positivity, Another thing you should do is create a rainy day folder. This is a folder where you put all of those positive emails from parents and positive notes from students, whatever it is that affirms that you're doing a good job and you're doing it well. And it really comes in handy on those rainy days when things just don't seem to be gelling the way that you want them to. Put those affirmations in a folder and have access to this folder when you need it. And when you do get that mean email from a parent, when you're just having one of those down days when something is rough going on at home or you have to just leave it at home and go to the classroom and work with students and be with them and try to be positive, it's so helpful to have a folder with all of those physical reminders about why we're doing this work. Maybe it's a digital folder that you keep on your computer or a, or a folder in your email, or you can have an actual physical, actual paper folder with paper printouts that you keep in your desk drawer, which is what I personally do. But whatever it is that gives you that affirmation, that reminder about why you're doing this work, keep it with you and have it handy for whenever you need it, especially this time of year. It's something that can give you what you need when you need it most. So the next step, I think this time of year is primed to try something new in the classroom. Maybe it's planning a project, like a project-based learning project where there's authentic outcomes and students are out of their seats working with their hands. There's something that the project is building to, some type of event or showcase or something that everybody is collectively working towards. This kind of thing can just help mix it up and it gets you excited about what your students are working on and it just adds flavor to the school year at a time when we really need some flavor. My son is in second grade and his teacher just did this awesome March Madness math competition where she put students in groups and they had this big bracket style tournament where groups faced off and had to roll dice and add up their numbers the fastest. The group that wins moves on to the next round until finally there's this huge face off in front of the whole second grade in the school cafeteria. And my son was so excited about this tournament. He was pumped to be placed on a team and to come with a team name and practice his addition as the tournament approached. There was no grade attached to it, and it wasn't really high stakes. It was fun, but it was something fun to mix it up and give the students some new energy. I love this. So maybe this time of year, you're getting kind of bored. You've been preparing for testing. The routine is starting to feel a bit mundane. 
That's why we've got to find new things and try new things to inject some fresh energy into our classes. So try out a project-based learning project or some type of fun activity that's different from what you normally do. And that might even inspire you to try more of that kind of thing later on outside of the spring wall. But it's especially helpful during a time of year where it's difficult to find energy. Next tip, and I can't recommend this one enough, is to find community where you work. You know, maybe there's a couple teachers in your school who you really get along with. Spend extra time with them. Find time with them outside of school. Give some of your planning time to go and collaborate with other people. And this isn't just trying to find the people who you like to be around to sit with them at a staff meeting. This is to find people to share the difficult parts of your job with, to talk about the ideas that you have, maybe even working and combining classes and doing things together. I mean, I truly believe that people are communal. We want our students to learn to work together in community and, and work in communal, collaborative environments. And I think we need that ourselves. It's a pick-me-up. It releases endorphins when we're with other people who we are liking to be around. It gives us some of the boosts that we need all the time. But again, especially right now when we're feeling particularly isolated, when we're feeling down and tired. So I would really recommend trying to dive into community more than ever this time of year. And the last bit of advice that I have for you to make it through the spring wall is to fully utilize your time off when you have it. Whenever your next break starts, whether it's spring break or the weekend or even this evening, I want you to do something. I want you to take out your phone and I want you to hit the do not disturb button and maybe keep it on all week long during spring break or the entire evening. Maybe even set up your email to auto respond. But you might be saying, wait, what if a parent texts or emails me? They usually expect me to answer their texts right away. Well, my response to that would be, they're just going to have to wait until your break is over. But what if I get a notification from the Blooms or Remind or Class Dojo or whatever app? Again, that'll just have to wait until your break is over. But then what if the principal has a question for me during break? What a, about a student's grade or about my evaluation coming up or something else that they think is urgent? Well, that'll just have to wait until the break is over. But what if a student has a question about an assignment that we started and they're trying to work on it over break? Well, first off, that's a great student. Kudos to them. But they're just going to have to wait until break is over. Because here's the deal. It can wait until your break is over. It's called a break because you need one. I know parents, administrators, and students can sometimes expect you to be on at all times, to be on in the evenings and the weekends and during breaks, but that doesn't mean you have to be. You need time to be off, to be unplugged and unreachable, where you can then recharge and effectively answer all of the communications and then be back on. You are not a human doing. You're a human being. I'm going to say that one more time. You are not a human doing. You're a human being. And you need time to just be, to not do things and communicate at all times of the day. There's always so much to do and never enough time to do it. And maybe a week off like spring break seems like the right time to just catch up on things and knock out all the grading and, and be on and do those communications. 
But the truth is your brain needs rest. Your body needs rest. It's why there's a break for students and for you. It's not possible to overflow from an empty cup. And so if all of that time is spent hunched over a laptop, thinking about your work and grading your work and planning your work, you are only giving and not receiving. You're only pouring out without getting filled back up. Now, like I said earlier, if there's some grading and planning that has to get done, yeah, dedicate an amount of time to it, a little amount of time to it. Cut out an hour a day to accomplish some of that over the break. But set an alarm for an hour and turn off that computer when the alarm goes off. And then go read a book, a book that has nothing to do with teaching. Or go on a hike or play with your kids or binge a show on Netflix or listen to music and do something that has nothing to do with school. And I want you to not feel guilty for a second about it. So use Do Not Disturb on your phone, snooze those evening emails, let the phone ring and take off your teacher hat for a bit. What you're going to find is that this rest, this saying no to communicating with work during your off time, will in fact make you a better teacher when you're back on. The author Annie Lamott said, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. I really like that. And so maybe the big message from this podcast episode is that you need to sometimes unplug and rest. If we take care of ourselves, if we do find ways to bring excitement and passion into our work, we can overcome the struggles of this time of year. One of my favorite quotes in the world is that a strong why will help us overcome any how. And so remind yourself why you're doing this work in the first place. Use a rainy day folder, check in with parents, give good news, grade less, and give yourself some time off and just keep doing what you're doing. Because the truth is, if you're an educator of any kind, you are doing something very good in our world. Hopefully it's paying you off well, but just know that it's also paying off in the lives of your students. So thanks for what you're doing and thanks for making it all the way until now. And thank you for listening to the show today. I would love for more educators to listen to the show each week. So please spread the word if you like what you're hearing. If you want to check out my other work, you can go to my website at trevormuir.com where I post videos and my blog and ways for us to get in touch. I'm Trevor Muir and this has been the Epic Classroom Podcast. Thanks for all that you're doing to make learning into an unforgettable story for students, for discovering new ways to make learning epic. I'll see you next time.